Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number triple foe, and I am your co-host and the guy who has a lot of guy who's over the past three weeks, but I will say this. The guy who the number 37 sticks out in his mind right now. 37. Mm -hmm. I'm your co-host and the guy who's back. We're we're back, baby. But I'm also the guy who has some exciting news. Lay it on me. Turkeys for tomorrow. Welcome to Tennessee. We are launching the first Tennessee chapter of Turkeys for Tomorrow. At our first meeting last night, it's going to be in the West Tennessee region. We're calling ourselves the Two Rivers Chapter because we are between the Mississippi and the Tennessee River. And so anybody that listens to this who is in western Tennessee, hit me up and help out with turkeys for tomorrow because we're we got some cool ideas in the pipeline right now. We haven't got them fully approved yet, but we already have our first two events scheduled and or, or are working on them. Not fully scheduled, but we, we know what we're going for. And I think we're going to do some big things for the state of Tennessee through our 
newly minted chapter. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, any Tennesseans who want to get involved with us, shoot me a message. I actually just created a new email specifically for this. So, if you want to write this down, it is two rivers tft at gmail dot com. Two rivers t w o rivers tft at gmail dot com. So if you are in Tennessee and want to get involved with your Turkeys for Tomorrow chapter, that's how you can reach me and the rest of our board for the Tennessee chapter. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've been wanting to get Turkeys for Tomorrow in Tennessee, and I think we're going to do some good things and just love the fact that the fundraising that me and the guys do with our chapter will stay in our state of Tennessee. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Pretty cool stuff. So that's my big announcement. And did want to say, you know, sorry guys, we missed two weeks. We understand that, but it was the end of turkey season. We both had late season pushes that we needed to accomplish. Had some fun hunts, and we also, you know, shockingly had some catch up to do with work after a three month turkey season. So <laughs> bear with us. We're back now. You know, we're good, but we're not canceling the podcast by any means. We just we just got really behind, and, and the past two weeks didn't work out. And you know, it, when it comes to work that makes money, and a, and our families somehow a free podcast gets put put down below those. But uh, we are we'll do our best going forward. Yeah, and we've got a, an announcement about that towards the end of the show. Yeah, that we'll mention to you guys that you know we're we're pretty excited about. So yeah, why don't you tell us why thirty seven is important first? Because I'm interested. 37 is the number of times I have jumped out of my office window over the past almost two weeks in an attempt to end it all because turkey season is over. (laughs) Is that every day since it ended? Several times a day, every day since it's ended. And, you know, I guess I, I guess I'm okay with failing at this because, you know, it is my office is in my basement. So. The fall out of the window is maybe a grand total of 10 inches to the ground. I don't know that you'll quite end it all at that stage. It'd have to be a pretty forceful jump. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll I'll probably just be happy to continue to fail because I'm going to try to say this in a positive light. Oh, this is going to sound brutal. Very, I'm going to be very positive about this. We are 291 days. 14 hours, 5 minutes, and 12 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. That's brutal. That's brutal. And you, Uh, being in Tennessee, are like 468 days. Yeah, we're seven years away from turkey season (laughs) in Tennessee now that we open on August 8th every year. But that's a joke. They... I will say, you know, other Tennesseans don't don't know this. They did not change anything from last year to this year coming season because they've already set the rules. So season dates did not move back to normal. Bag limit still two. Season will open on April the 13th, I believe, this coming year. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. I actually, you know, I'm patient enough. I emailed. And this is just my opinion. I may be wrong. Other people can can hate on it if they want, but I emailed them with my opinion was, hey, you've already changed it. Let's give it two to three years, monitor it. 
if that works, and it seems like we have a lot more turkeys because of it, granted it could be from other factors, but if let's just say we have an, a huge increase in turkeys in the next two to three years, then maybe we keep it where it is. If nothing seems to change, then we'll go back. But I, I just think you've already changed it. Why not at least test it for a few seasons? I don't disagree with you at all. You know, if you're going to do a two to three season test, you're already half to a third of the way there. Suck it up, do another year, and see what happens. That's my thought. Is just we got to be a little bit patient. I know people don't like to be patient about things, and obviously I get it. Early April is better gobbling than May 30th. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But if this works, and I don't know that it will. I know that our study didn't seem to point to it working, but this is a statewide scale now. If it works, then great. If it doesn't, I think it's worth two to three years of our hunting to figure it out. You know, so the hunting was still fine. You had plenty of ample time to kill your two gobblers. You know, if you really wanted to go and get your two birds, you had ample opportunity. It's not like they gave us a five-day season or something. Yeah. Ample chance, and there were turkeys still gobbling the last day of season. My brother my brother told me they were, you know, he said he thought they were done, and he went to the farm without a gun, and two birds were ripping it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, well, dang. <laughs> you never know late season. You, yeah. you hit them on it's the right day. It's just more sporadic, you know. Yeah. It's not the daily goblin that you might hear early, but it is. Anyway, that was my opinion on it, and so nothing changed. So we do have a long wait till April 13th, long wait. But overall, I'm okay with it because I, I, I can stand two to three years just to, to make sure that our April 1 opener isn't a, a problem, you know. Yeah. And I think that'll, I mean, Tennessee could set the precedence for a lot of states if we if we keep this, you know, keep studying it because they're, they're ongoing the study at this point now that it's statewide. So. Well, I'm going to tell you if the vast majority of states do get pushed back, if the season dates get pushed back because of this, I'm going to be one very suntanned, chicker-bitten, <laughs> and poison-ivy-ridden joker. Because yeah. I will be out there hunting in my Speedo, camo Speedo, and that's it. Yeah, I think you just put a Speedo on, maybe get one of those mesh leafy suits. Just have that in a Speedo. You're set, man. Uh, I was just going to go without that. You know? Heck, yeah. Body paint, even better. Uh, it clogs your pores, and you you can't, your skin a, doesn't breathe, and you sweat more. No. You know, a Speedo is not as... Not as good as, you know, the the Target men's swimwear line they just came out with. That thing comes with a pouch for your manhood to stay intact in and in place and hidden. I think that may even be better. Well, hang on, because I haven't seen this, so... Oh, you haven't seen Target's new men's swimsuit line? I am pulling this up right now. It's got a little spot for your... It's a tuck-friendly swimsuit. I got a picture for you. This looks just like you. Yeah, because I'm not seeing this on the Google. Oh, it's on there. And here's, here's a picture for you. It's it's called Tuck Friendly. It was launched for their Pride June collection. The phone has buzzed. There you go. This guy Survey looks just like you, too. Says, let's see. You get that in Bottomland, man, you'll be the talk of the town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I just will be shocked 
if Mossy Oak comes out with one of these <laughs> in Bottomland. I mean, it would be a shocking revelation to me, too. But I'm just letting you know, if you're wanting to cool it down and be the most unique character in the woods this coming spring, the target tuck-friendly, get it dipped in Bottomland, you're set. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm not, I always seem to drag some kind of random pol- political stance into this, but we'll back off of it. I have something I want to talk about before we go into our season recaps we plan to do. I'm yeah, gonna, I, I didn't announce that when I announced the episode number. So anyway, go ahead. Right. Well, I'm going to pull the favor of the week to the beginning, just in case All right. someone gets annoyed with our target tuck friendly talk and cuts us off. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull this forward guys. I think it's vital that we as turkey hunters make sure if our state has a turkey sighting survey of any type, brood survey, turkey sighting survey, over these summer months, I believe it is your duty as a turkey hunter and lover of the wild turkey to report what you see to your game commission so that they can make informed decisions. And so a ton of states have these, where during these summer months, you say you see a hen run across the road with seven poults, you hop online or on your phone on an app, a lot of them have different ways of doing it. And you report, hey, I just saw a hen with seven poults in this county on private land on this date. And the pol- uh, some of them will even ask for the poults, chicken or smaller, you know, they'll ask for the size. And you report that. And when a ton of people do that for the state, it's very good information. Cause, or if you report, hey, I saw one lone hen. She had no poults. That's good information. And that helps us understand how many poults we have per year on the ground based on sightings, and it's very good data. So quickly run down a list of ones just quickly I could find. Tennessee, Pennsylvania, New York, Florida, Washington, South Carolina, New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, New Hampshire, Missouri, Delaware, Connecticut, Kentucky, Rhode Island, Louisiana, North Carolina, Vermont, Maryland, Ohio, and Nebraska all have some type of turkey sighting survey. Participate, participate, participate. If you see any turkey of any type, report it if you're in a state that has something like that. Absolutely. 100% agree. And, you know, one of my guy who's could have been the guy who is a proud grandpapa. Really? Yeah. I sent you a picture <laughs> of a hen with, well, there were two poults in that picture, but I got one today with the, with, I'm going to assume it's the same hen. Could be a completely different hen because there's no unique markings on this hen at all. But there are three poults in today's picture. Excellent. When you said that, I was thinking Chris had done something, you know, that I didn't know about. But that is, that's even better, poults, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this. Well, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe a real human grandbaby would be cheaper. I was going to say those poults would be easier on my budget than yeah. a real human grandbaby. But yeah, no, I, I was. That's awesome, I, though. Yeah, I'd been kind of wondering because I'd been getting pictures of this hen, not daily, but maybe every other day. And I just, the grass is tall in the food plot that this camera's in. And I just kept thinking, man, she is by herself and typically... The hens who don't have poults have found other hens who don't have poults yep. this time of year, and you'll see two, three, four of them together. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, man, she's, I don't see them. 
but I pray she's got some. And then I got the great picture. I believe it was Sunday is when I sent it to you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. What about, what about, since we're just recapping and just kind of generally talking, have you done or set up any trail cameras on the properties that you trapped last year so heavily? I have not. I need to do that. That might be a job for this weekend. That's a great point. I need to do that. And we have continued to kill some predators, but it's way less. We we took out another four raccoons. My brother did over a weekend and then another raccoon and a possum a couple of days before that and then two coyotes today. So I need to set up trail cameras. That's a great point. Cause I, I have not even been out to look for pins and poles. I mean, I have no idea, you know, and they should be hatching about now. I do know my brother saw a dozen poles the third weekend in May. So while turkey season was still going, he did see a dozen poles on our, one of our farms. So mm-hmm. that's a good sign. Did not see the hen, but I'm sure she was there. And then yeah. this past weekend he saw, cause he's been out. I haven't been able to get out, but, He saw two hens who he believes had a nest, and they both kind of came off the nest and attempted the, you know, dragging the wing and clucking and acting all injured tactic, Mm -hmm. getting him away from there. So he just kind of backed out. Hopefully they got back on that nest. You know, maybe they had some tiny chicks there, too. You never know, but it's in tall grass. So um, that's good. That is good. But, yeah, you're right. I need to get some trail cameras out because it would be something if if we really had a boom in the pulse on those farms, you know. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that the hen turkey with the, oh, I got a broken wing. Yeah. That is what I saw on the last hunt that I went on out of state. Yeah. And she got up off the ground. After my buddy, our buddy, Andrew, had literally walked past her (laughs) and I was next and I guess it was just too close for comfort. And she jumped up, took off, wing dragging the ground. And I and I looked at him and I said immediately, I said, she's got a nest somewhere close by. And I walk over. I mean, I took like three steps. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like I had to look hard. She literally could not have been five yards from me when she got up. And so, sure enough, I look over there and I see some eggs and I start looking and I say, well, there's, you know, several of them are broken. The nest predator must have gotten in here and gotten some of them. (laughs) And then there were like four of them that were not broken. And I said, you know, that kind of stinks that these are, you know, that's all that she's got left in the nest. And so all of a sudden he says, look at this. And I and he points, and I look over there, and I see this pole run underneath the log. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. And he's standing there, and he says, here they all are. They are so camouflaged you can't in the woods. See them. It is insane. We're three feet from them. Wow. And you can't see them. And there were a mess of poles. Let me see if I can get a good count here on how many there are. But the, and, and turkeys were still gobbling there, and, you know. Oh, yeah. Some had hens. They were hinned up. (laughs) It's not even that they were gobbling. They weren't gobbling because they were so hinned up. Yeah, that's crazy. So let's see. There's one underneath the log. There's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
that I see in this video that I took. It's just a few Wonderful. seconds long. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And we walked off. You know, of course, we slipped out of there. She was the hen ran off a distance and stopped and she wasn't even out of sight. And we stood there still. We were still, but we were talking to one another. And the hen started just kind of peeping a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry, the poult started peeping a little bit. And then the hen started calling to them. And then they got very attentive and, you know, got up and started moving in her direction. Well, that log that one of the poults ran underneath was between them and the hen. And they all ended up kind of underneath that log. But we we went ahead and got out of there and we stepped out onto the road out of this little piece of woods. And I said, man, I just screwed up. And Andrew said, what do you mean? I said, I should have picked out the biggest one and that could have been my turkey in this state. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble. It's pretty tough find a beard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been tender, though. Uh, that would have been whole fried right there. Yes, sir. Just pluck him and toss him in. Yeah. That, that's was, cool, though. What a interesting deal, you know, to see poults and then while hunting yeah. and find turkeys that are still gobbling with hens. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I ran into the same thing over my Memorial Day hunt and where I went in a different state. Most of the toms had hens. Come to think of it, I don't think I saw any gobblers that did not have hens. Mm. And I talked to Jordan Barnes, who we've had on the show several times from close proximity. And his theory, which makes sense, is that a lot of the gobblers get killed, obviously. And when hens need to do a re-nest attempt, there's a lot less suitors in the woods that are still gobbling and living. And so those ones that are still living end up getting him back up pretty bad towards the late season because they're the only only game in town. And I thought there could be some truth to that. Yeah, I think the re-nest thing is a much bigger issue for us than what we may think on the surface. And, you know, that was something that I asked Mike Chamberlain about the last time we had him on the show. And he said, yes, absolutely. You know, that that's what's happening probably more so than – those being jennies that are just not going to nest. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, again, you know, the more nest predators we can get out of the woods, the less nests we're going to have that are going to be predated, and the better our late season hunts are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you if the science that is being preached by Chamberlain and some of the other biologists if that's accurate, you know, they're still testing that. They say these later nesting attempts, the second, third, fourth nesting yeah, attempts. less successful. Are less successful. Yeah. Fewer eggs, and they're less successful. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, because I've seen that several times now, you know. And think back to what, two years ago when you and I went on a road trip together over Memorial Day, and it was May 30th or so, and we doubled and it was like three gobblers and a couple jakes and mm-hmm. 12 hens together. Like, it, yeah. was, it was like what you'd expect to be hunting on opening day, you know? Yep. Very interesting. But, yep. No doubt. Anyway, that's cool. That's, that's part of the season recap right there. So, I guess, yeah. what were your takeaways? I guess give me three takeaways from the 2023 spring turkey season for Andy. Three takeaways were 
I have to say the thing that really jumped out to me is it seemed like I can't really say too far west because I didn't have a good experience on one far west trip. Yeah, very weather related. East of the Mississippi, there seemed to be a lot of gobbling turkeys. Yes, I would 100% concur with that. And, and I think the data will draw that out from the harvest we've seen in a lot of states. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I want to say it's because we had such a great hatch two years ago and such great poult recruitment. But as we discussed in an episode, what, a month, six weeks ago, something like that, you know, there's there are many reasons why harvest numbers could be up. But I just heard more gobbling. Yes. More uh, birds gobbling is probably the better way to say it. I definitely think there were more turkeys this year than the past five years, mm-hmm. know, since 2017 at least. And everyone I talked to seemed to echo that. We all saw the jakes last year, too, in our travels. Me and you had talked about it, and I saw yeah. several on, on my fall hunt. So the 2021 hatch that we talked about on the show was great. Yeah. And so... Coinciding with that, a lot of two-year-olds on the landscape, which are the, of mature gobblers, obviously two-year-olds are the easier to harvest, typically. And so I think that, I think that is definitely a part of why we had inflated harvest, coupled with the increase in hunter participation and effort. Yeah. So it definitely was a better year as far as turkeys on the landscape in my mind. Yeah. Which I'm hoping that man... If there was that many jakes last year, you'd assume there was equal, if not similar, numbers of jennies. And this year would be their first year putting down a nest, from what I've seen in studies, that one-year-old turkeys don't really nest much, if at all. And so Mm -hmm. two-year-old hens, I'm hoping this year we have another, if we could get right weather and we have hopefully way more turkey nests on the ground because all this, the boom we had, hopefully then we could have a really expansive population happen if, if all these first-year nesting hens this year are successful. Yeah, that would be that would be just great. Yeah, if we could get the right weather and everything, you know, with that, it would be, it would be huge, I think, because then you're looking at exponential growth, which could be awesome. And, and, yeah, you know, you have several states. I saw Virginia and Maryland both set record turkey harvests this year, all-time yeah. record. You know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, and you know, we've got more people trapping now than have been trapping in 100% and all of them are turkey hunters. <laughs> a lot of them are turkey hunters, but a yes, whole a lot, lot are of just them. bird hunters, period. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't mean to slight the deer hunters who get out there and want, want to take out coyotes, you know. So, I don't I don't want to belittle that effort because any coyote you get off the landscape I think is a is a plus not only for deer but for turkeys as well. Especially yeah. poults and, and hens on a nest and just eggs in general. So Yeah, and I mean, hey, if they're not predating all the nests or whatever, maybe they aren't, but and and everyone argues that they replace themselves easily and quickly, you know, whatever, but I would imagine if you went onto your farm and killed some coyotes right now today and you got you know, two-week-old poults running around, you may have just said, if, if a coyote got in the mix of those poults you and your and Andrew got into, he's eaten yeah. every one of them. Absolutely. 100%. But if you kill him and he's not around for the next week or two, that might be enough time to give him flight and they're good to get. 
So I do think timely removal of coyotes, which hadn't really been studied with turkeys, could be very important at this time of the year, you know, when the when the poults are on the ground, really. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. it, I think that observation is accurate. And I, we talked about it a little bit in our last show, but I think the opposite may be true out west. It, you know, the, the winter out there that they had for the ages type thing may have really put a hurting on some turkey population. Could have, yeah. It was it was a brutal winter out there. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I I hunted with you three states out west, and one was not very good at all. We mm-hmm. both ended up getting our turkey, but like to drive past as much private land as we did and not see a singular bird, that was cause for concern. And then we did not hear much goblin at all. Yeah, and then we hunted. Two other states, and I would say the second state was pretty darn good. At least we hit the right spot, you know, and heard two to three birds gobbling. We still didn't exactly just see a ton of turkeys in fields driving around there, though. No. I think we may have just, you know, lucked into a pocket of them right there off the bat. And then the third state seemed to have pretty good amount of turkeys. That that, that was a pretty good-sized flock that we were on. Yeah. So it they're not in, like you know, crisis mode, but uh, I don't think they experienced the expanse that maybe east of the Mississippi. Yeah, all speculation on our part, but... Just observational from our yeah. season, you know. Yeah, but I tend to agree with, with what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Takeaway number two is, you know, I can't, I can't really say it's not turkey-related or turkey-hunting-related, but I will speak for my home state. We had... Maybe the most perfect spring, a real spring, temperature-wise, for a long period of time. And that was nice. It was nice with it not being 90 degrees with 85% humidity (laughs) the second week in April running through the rest of Alabama's season. And... You know, so I can't really say that it's not turkey hunting related because, heck, if you're out there and and you're not sweating your butt off, then it makes it more enjoyable. And, you know, so that was number two takeaway for me, just an observation on my part, something that I actually really enjoyed. It was nice. And to carry that out a step, you know, I've mentioned this a few times already, but I'm in a hunting club with some very good turkey hunters. And I missed the first 10 days of Alabama season because I was out of state hunting. During that 10 days, one of the members (laughs) in the club, I think he, I don't think he limited out. I think he limited out on day 11 or day 12. Wow. And All off that one club? Yes. Yes. And so I looked at, uh, I looked at that and I never got a chance to talk to him because I never saw him. You know, me being gone the first 10 days and then he's there one or two days and he's limited out. Well, he's done. He's not coming back for the season. But I saw that on the on the little notebook that we keep harvest records on. And I thought back to, oh, 10, 15 years ago to myself when I would limit out after like, you know, sometime between week two and week three. Yeah. and as cool as that was in my mind, that sucks. Yeah. I just, what I did 
those seasons that I did that was I just cut my season short. Yeah. I cut my season in half. And so, you know, this year I let turkeys walk and I'm not saying I'm not saying this because I'm expecting anybody to pat me on the back because Great job, that, that's just well, thank you, Cameron. You're just your conservationist of the year award right here. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I've said this before that I don't need to kill my limit. I've killed limits numerous times. I don't need to kill mine if a if a turkey gets to walk and somebody gets their first bird because I let a bird walk. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I'm cool with that. If a kid kills his tenth bird, you know, maybe he's 12 or 13 years old and he's killed bird number 10. Hey, I'm I'm still cool with that if that's a bird I let walk and he kills it. I, I don't care. But it's just by letting some birds walk. It's lengthened my season, and it's given me more time in the woods, more time to enjoy spring. And I, I tell you, you know, I killed two turkeys in Alabama this year, and I had I had plenty of opportunities. I could have I could have limited out, but I enjoyed this season as much, if not more, than I enjoyed the seasons that I limited out. Oh, yeah. Period. Whether it was in week three or week six. I just yeah. I just enjoyed this season so much. It was so much fun. It was a great time getting to hunt with a lot of, and not just in Alabama, but all over, getting to hunt with some great friends, meeting some new friends and their families. And I'm just reminded that the times when I run into someone on some public ground or someone on even on private ground hunting the same piece of private ground, whether it's a hunting club. Yeah, or a hunting a, club, that's pretty often, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a landowner who's out of state who's given me permission to hunt their property, but has also given it to someone else, given permission to someone else. And I run into those people, and they're just buttholes. Yeah. I'm just years like this year where I'm reminded how awesome the vast majority of turkey hunters are it just you know it's it's a good feeling and it's good to be reminded of that and you know when you run across so many good people like that and you and i we met a new friend in one of our states that we went and hunted this year and probably one of the most unselfish people that i've ever run across 100 percent absolutely just gave up a bird literally gave a turkey to some stranger yeah i mean that's bottom line because it he roosted him for us essentially and it was a ready to die bird handed him over on the silver platter yeah which is for a turkey hunter a very selfless thing to do (laughs) yes absolutely but there was a condition with it with that handoff of the turkey on the silver platter and that was i want to hunt with you guys yeah, which was which is like usually you know that kind of happens. It's like oh I don't know about this guy and we yeah. didn't know him and that dude he broke out his diaphragm call and I'm sitting there thinking oh crap he's gonna call you know there's no telling how this is gonna go and he was kind of about ten yards from us he hit that call and both of us looked at each other like whoa yeah <laughs> that dude is like a champion turkey caller absolutely he's yeah. one of the best I've heard in the woods. He was really, or is really, really good. I mean, yeah. really good. And yeah, we we finished that hunt up, and 
were eating lunch and I looked at him. I said, Hey, I, I'm not because I killed a turkey that yeah. he helped to call in. And I looked at him and I said, Hey, I'm not trying to patronize you or anything, but you are a fantastic turkey caller. Oh, and yeah. He was like, Oh, well, thank you. And yeah. he said, You know, I've done a little competition calling. I'm like, You need to do more of it because yeah. you are really good. Really good. He was so, an A plus. Yeah. So, and, you know, I've stayed in touch with him. I've, I know you have too, Cameron. Just yeah. heck of a nice guy. You know, it's just, it's that's one of the things that I do enjoy about traveling and hunting is just getting to meet so many different people. And yes, you do meet those buttholes. You do run into them. They're always going to be out there. But the vast majority of us turkey hunters are just dang good people. Yeah, that's a fact. That so, is true. Those are my three takeaways. How about you? I'm going to go takeaway number one. I'm going to carry a trumpet call pretty much from now on. And you should. Because this was the first year I've had one for a long time. I'd take it every 10, 15th hunt. Maybe hit it once, like very seldom. This year I made a point, kept it around the neck. I had a lot of turkeys gobble at that call. Mm-hmm. And accomplished the goal of killing turkeys with the trumpet. But I had several turkeys hit that call that didn't hit my usual bread and butter, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So... It's going in the bag of tricks. It's going to be around the neck going forward, and I'm glad I spent the time in the off season to practice on that and get to where I assume it's at least an acceptable yelp coming from it because turkey scalped at it and approached. So mm-hmm. once you hit that level, I approve of the sound. <laughs> I don't care what it sounds like to anybody else. If it makes turkey scalp when they come towards it, I like that call. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so that was definitely one takeaway. And then takeaway two for me is confidence is king again. Uh, I've known that positivity and confidence, but I had a spell in the early season where I, which I always miss turkeys. I miss more turkeys than anyone else on earth. I can about guarantee it, but I was on a hot streak of missing even for me, which is saying because I missed six in 10 days and Two of those misses were in a very difficult-to-get state that I have not killed in, so that was very brutal. Yeah. But once I got past that, got start hit a few and put them down and got my confidence back, no problems for the rest of the year. And so I, I did end up missing eight turkeys this year, which is a record for me. Wow. That but, was my record. Yeah, that. That's pretty good, man. I mean, I, I figured it up. I, if you look at the whiffing 49, which is the version of missing a turkey within 40 yards in all 49 states, mm-hmm. I think I'm closing in on being halfway there, which is a pretty solid accomplishment. I would imagine I'm, I might be leading the country right now in states missing turkeys. So <laughs> I'm going to keep up with it because I bet by the end of this thing, I bet I'm at 25 to 30 states by the time I finish this on missing. <laughs> Oh, I haven't missed a Grand Slam yet, though, because I have not missed in Florida. So I probably just spoke that into existence. Yes, you did. So the next Osceola that steps in front of me is probably the safest bird around. But I did have the. I'm on that hunt with you. (laughs) Really rub it in. Like, hey, remember Mm. that show? Oh no, no, no! I won't rub it in. I'll just be there for backup. Oh yeah, that's true. You'll you'll whack him. He'll have two inch spurs. Be like that. That turkey that dude shot flying from the car that we saw, but it uh, that definitely 
again, it's just like sports or anything in life, turkey hunting, when you have confidence and you're not overthinking the shot. I think that was a big part of it. Like after I missed two, I just started like not just reactionary, you know, normal. I'm a hunter. I've hunted my whole life shooting at the turkey. It was like I'm aiming the crap out of the gun and just not my normal self and started missing even more. And it just like anything, once I got my confidence built back up and got that positive mindset of knowing that there's no way I was going to miss this turkey, I started hitting them again. And it's just amazing, turkey hunting especially for me. Like when I get on a good roll and I'm – I feel good. I feel like my calls sound good. Turkeys are coming in. All of a sudden, I'm like, hey, it's been five days in a row. I've had great hunts, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, a, I'm on a roll, you know. If, if I hear a turkey, he's coming in, you know, that type mentality. And just positivity, man. I, I swear that's the, the biggest key to turkey hunting <laughs> and confidence. You know, if you're if you're out there moping around thinking you don't have a chance in the world of hearing or seeing one, or, or and if you do, he's probably not coming to your terrible sounding call. And if he does do that, you'll probably miss him anyway. You're not going to kill many turkeys. Yeah. You just really aren't. So it reinforced that for me this year because I went through a little bit of a trial, which, hey, I'll take that trial any day, just missing turkeys at close range because that means I was putting myself on some cool hunts. Yeah. But if y'all, maybe I'll play some of the audio from early season for y'all later in the summer. It sounds uh, much like artillery fire in a war, but that's pretty much the whole hunt. You just hear yelping and shooting consistently. (laughs) (laughs) But the season turned out great. It started out, I was like, when I missed six in like 10 days, I was like, holy crap. I don't know how many can be missed in a year, but I was like, I am rolling right now. <laughs> that, that stinks. Yeah. But anyway, so confidence and positivity is key, carrying the trumpet call. And then my third takeaway, I'm going to go with really noticing how much I enjoy the friends I've had through turkey hunting and getting and just that whole aspect of the hunt. And granted, I love going by myself and oh, yeah. I I'm, I would say, mostly a lone shark when it comes to turkey hunting. Like, I love getting out there by myself on the ridgetop before daylight, just me and the Lord and listening to the wake up. But this year, I tried to really take time to enjoy what, you know, the few days you get with your friends and, the, and brothers and, you know, people you meet. And it was just awesome. You know, you and I got to go on two different trips together and we had a blast. And I got to hunt several mornings with each of my brothers which is always a treat and had one where two of my brothers and myself went and got a turkey with the three of us there, which is special and just got to hunt with several other friends and new people I've never hunted with, you know? Yeah. And that's why I love duck hunting is the camaraderie, a huge part of it, you know, getting to hang out in the blind with people, but getting to bring that into turkey hunting for most of the mornings or some of the mornings is also great just to experience other people in the sport that I enjoy doing it with. and. So that was kind of my third takeaway, but, you know, I do say that in, there, there's other times when, like, you know, if I hunt, if me and you go on a trip and I'm hunting with a partner every day for a week, which I loved, but when I get home, I'm kind of like, all right, time for my lone, lone mm-hmm. hunts, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like you got to have a balance, for me at least. Yeah. I like both. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I, I, I kind of look at it and not all of my weekdays 
are this way at home. But most of my weekdays, I'm alone. Yeah. And that, those are That's my, accurate. those are my alone one-on-one hunts, Andy and hopefully a turkey or Andy with Andy, which is a scary thing. <laughs> but I enjoy on the weekends going with a buddy, whether it's going to hunt different property to see different trees and experience what different turkeys in a different part of the state may act like mm-hmm. or what they may, where they may be in the season because I believe that that totally happens. And, you know, I, I kind of reserve or or will leave weekends open for that if I get an invitation or if, or if I want to invite somebody to come and hunt with me on the weekends. And during the week, it's, it you know, if you, if you picked 10 weekdays, eight or nine of those, I'm by myself. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. Cool with that. I, I do enjoy the camaraderie of it and you know, being able to, to walk and talk and it gives you some time to, you know, it's tough for me because work eats so much of my time. And, you know, when I say that I don't work eight hour days, I work a lot of times 10 to 13 hour days and that doesn't leave. Oh, and I have to remind myself of this every once in a while. I'm married. Oh yeah. And so I, I think I have a kid at home. I have to spend some time with that lady, or she won't be around, and I don't want her to leave. So you yeah, know, nice to have her around the other nine months. <laughs> yeah, they are, and and so you know, on the on, I don't get a lot of time to spend with my with my good buddies and my hunting buddies, and so you know, being able to go and hunt with them on the weekends is is a real treat, and spend those times walking. You know, when you're when you're going on the death march, those are great times to catch up. How's work going? How's, you know, how's family? How's your mom and them? Yeah. As we love to say in the South. And then once you get past all that, it's here come the BS turkey story remembrances and recollections. And oh, yeah, I, I just will not trade that time for anything. I love it. Oh, so, yeah. You can't beat it. But yes, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, I guess that recaps our seasons for folks. It was a great year. I had a blast. Got to kill three subspecies this year. Got a Merriam's Rio and Eastern. I have a question for you, though. Go for it. And you may not have the list in front of you, but knowing you, it's it's close by. How many of your goals did you achieve? And tell us the ones you did not. Okay, so I think I had three goals. I achieved the trumpet goal of killing a turkey with a trumpet. I achieved the goal of making Sundays a priority as far as church goes. Yeah. I did miss Sundays while traveling, going to church. But when I was home, I didn't even hardly hunt. I don't. I think I went once before church on a Sunday, and it was without even a gun. I just went and listened in the morning. And it was. I, I made it a very high priority to be home, spend time with my family, and go to church on Sundays. And so mm-hmm. I would say I achieved that goal because in past years I've been rocking into church like 20 minutes late because I was in the woods and, you know, flew home to change and get a shower. And anyway, I made it where Sunday was church first, everything else second type thing. Yeah. And so I would say I achieved that goal well and then failed miserably on my goal of hunting 70 days. 
and ended at 47 days. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. So I set the bar really high on that, and a few things happened. You know, I didn't even go on any Sundays, and then the two-bird limit in Tennessee kind of took the, yeah, I guess, tenacity out of wanting to go on a rainy day in Tennessee. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, and just to kind of add on to that, too, you limited out pretty early in Tennessee season, maybe not because you wanted to, but because you knew you were you had trips planned. Yeah, in, in and May. your late season was going to be tough. Yeah, to even hunt at home. So yeah, I finished you know, out May second and only hunted two more days after that in Tennessee. So it was good that I did that because we were gone within three days after I finished my second bird here. We were mm-hmm. gone, and you and I were gone for nine days, you know, so. Yeah. It was, and it just, like, with two birds, and honestly, I'm to the point, I don't care if it's ten birds limit, whatever, it's like, if it's thunderstorming, it's not that I don't mind hunting in the rain, it's just, like, if I can't call him in and him, like, be showing his full potential, it's almost like, I don't care to kill him that day, you know? Mm-hmm. It in my home state. Now, you give me yeah. a good rainy day and a flock of gobblers to stand in the field in a, in another state, I'll, I'll go out there and hunt them all day, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But here, and I've had some good hunts in the rain where I've called them up, so I'm not saying that's impossible, but it just takes, I don't know, there's not as much pressure, I guess, to kill them now on those lesser days. And then the real killer for me on that 70-day deal was – I was expecting to be able to hunt another state for a lot of days more than I got to hunt there mm-hmm. due to a draw not working out in my favor. Yeah. So that took about 10 days off the table right there. Yeah. So anyway, not complaining about 47. That's a great spring and is probably the least I've had in the past four years or so, but wonderful spring. Got to travel plenty. My probably one of the best springs I've had in terms of per like shot opportunities under 40 yards presented per day hunting was a very great batting average. I would be in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. you know, for this year. Granted, eight of those were misses. So. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as me or whoever was on the gun that day, working a bird into range within 40 yards out of my 47 days, I did, a, I did great. It was one of my better ratios I've ever had. So yeah. that's kind of my success metric on how efficient was I, especially on day, like, I look at it, I'm a very analytical person, obviously, with numbers and stuff, but I like to know on days that I heard a turkey gobble, what percentage of the time did I end up with a gobbler within gun range? Because that, that, in my mind, is like, how how good were you when when one was available, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's the key metric on, like, how how good were you this year? You know, and for me this year, I was lights out on that. It was one of my better years. Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter if I killed him or missed him or whatever. It's just, you know, anyway, I do keep up with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not so that I can go put a bunch of notches on my hat and go proclaim it from the rooftop that I killed X number of turkeys, but more so for myself to compete against me. Yeah. So anyway, how about you with your goals? Did you achieve yours? I achieved none of them. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Great I, job, man. Thank you. Thank you. 
I had a goal of killing in seven states, and that was very aggressive. Yeah, that's lofty. Very aggressive. And I'll have to count on fingers here. So I killed in five states. I cannot complain about that. No, that's that, a heck of a year. That's a good year. I had the goal of killing at least one turkey in Alabama, and I killed two. I cannot complain about that. I had opportunities to kill more and just didn't take them. It, it was this year in Alabama is probably the best season I've had in three years, I think. Just a, a really good year, a lot of interaction with birds, and just it was a lot of fun, especially compared to last year in Alabama. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that was just yeah. brutal, just brutal. Nowhere to go but up. Yeah. I had a goal of calling in a turkey for Chris. Well, Chris never go, went with so me. that wasn't your fault. <laughs> Chris never went with me. He was invited a few times, and he never went. I had the goal of taking my dad three to five times during the season. I took him once, and believe it or not, that was one of the mornings we didn't even hear a turkey gobble. and Or one of the mornings I didn't even hear a turkey gobble in Alabama, and there were just a, a handful of them the entire season that I hunted in state. And then I invited him at least two, maybe three more times, and he shot me down on the invitation. So, you know, when you count, when your goals include other people, they can oftentimes be hard to achieve. But I feel like I did my part to try to make those two happen. And I know I did my part on trying to make the the first goal of killing in seven states happen, but it just wasn't in the cards. So, yeah, you know, it's... I've always said I'm okay with failing to achieve a goal as long as I did everything within my abilities to make it happen. So really, I have nothing to complain about with this past season. It was very enjoyable all the way around. Nice. Yeah. So hopefully, good Lord willing, I'll get the opportunity to not accomplish some of the goals I set for next year. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, good deal. Well, the announcement you alluded to earlier with our podcast yeah. before we leave is that we are planning to make an adjustment with the podcast so that issues like this two week that we just lost the past two weeks do not come up again during prime time next year. Because I think we missed three or four weeks of, of turkey season this year getting a podcast out. Yeah. So our solution, because as turkey hunters, you all will understand Turkey season is when everything in life is still going on and you add in hunting turkeys every day and traveling to hunt turkeys, that adds a lot more stress. So the issue we have is during turkey season, it's really hard for us to, A, get a podcast out to you, and Mm -hmm. B, attract good guests because they're all turkey hunting. Truth. So our goal, because... We can see the numbers. Most people, and most people who we're talking to aren't even going to hear this because it's June. Most people listen to our show starting February, March, April, and start trailing off in May. But February through May is kind of when we're reaching the best audience. So our goal that Andy and I have discussed is, is that we're going to go to a every other week podcast for at least a couple months for the summer months to give us time to get a bank of shows to use for next spring so that we make sure you have a weekly show during prime turkey season. And so what we're going to do is 
this is going to become a bi-weekly podcast for the summer months while we have the least audience. We love the guys that are still listening to us. Y'all are probably the most passionate turkey guys in the world. We're still going to put out a show every two weeks for you to listen to. But we do need to get kind of a bank of shows that we can use during turkey season next year so that when we are at peak business family turkey hunting mode, we still put out a quality show for everybody. So I think that's a pretty good summary. Do you have anything to add to that, Andy? The only thing that I would add is that, you know, for us, really, it starts to get difficult about for us to do a weekly show about the time that we need to be the convention in Nashville rolls around. Yeah. You know, and and the other thing that, yeah, it is, you know, just a trip like that, because now the show in Nashville is not a Saturday, Sunday thing. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. And, you know, if it's just recording a show, that's great, but it's not. It's recording a show, editing the show, hosting the show, and that takes a great deal of time. And so, you know, we don't, we want to continue to bring you guys amazing content. And I think we knocked it out of the park this past year with all of the great content that we provided. We want to continue to bring that, but we don't want you guys during what is prime time being turkey season, not getting a new show, a new episode from us when it may have the one tip the one tactic that you can utilize the morning that you hear it when you're driving to your hunting spot, you hear that tactic and you walk into the woods and you try that tactic and it works for you. We don't want you to miss that opportunity like what happened this year. And it, when Cameron and I are traveling together, going on trips together, that's hard. But also if he's traveling one week, I'm traveling the next week there's a really good chance he's traveling the week after that <laughs> and I'm traveling the week after that. So we end up with a four week period where one of us is not around where we can easily record because as you guys know, most of you listening do travel and Turkey hunt. And as you know, we're not always in areas that have great sales service. And yeah. so it's hard to even take 30, 45 minutes or an hour to record using your cell phone when you're not sure that you're going to have coverage. Yeah. So it's, it's just difficult. It seems to have gotten more difficult for us. Uh, I think maybe in years past, you know, we just kind of trudged through it or maybe we had more seminars and stuff like that recorded that we just threw in during Turkey season, but you know, not that those aren't good, but we want to bring you great stuff. Every single episode that we do and, you know, you're still going to get those seminars from NWTF and still get the other stuff if it's good enough content to make the yeah. show. And so anyway, I'm we rambling. We think it's a wise move and, you know, just want to make sure that the, the guy doing a 12-hour trip to wherever to go hunt turkeys doesn't hop on there to pass an hour by listening to us and have nothing. To- yeah. We're going we're gonna to make that adjustment. You know, hey, if you have – Questions or concerns about that, reach out to us. Please. You know, and let us know that. But that's going to be kind of how we're going to proceed through these summer months. Plus, it's nice to spend summer with family and, and you know, our wives may be 
a little tired of hearing about turkeys after May. You never know, but I don't know I how they could it. grow tired of that. But Mom know. loves it. She's so <laughs> passionate about it, it, it. She just can't get uh, enough. I bet she couldn't wait for you to talk about some more turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's how we're going to proceed. We're going to go bi-weekly for the, you know, at least the next three months or so. Hopefully give Andy and I time to get an arsenal of episodes ready for next spring. And we're going to plan to bring you really good content on those those shows every other week. Absolutely. And then, you know, when we start back weekly, it's going to be very close to fall season. Yes. For a lot of states. So good times coming up. Yeah. So why don't you wrap us up and we'll see you guys on June 22nd. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.